Welcome, Friendship fam. Joining us at Friendship Studios is Matt Clausen and Joel Farber. We're continuing to do a deep dive into 1 John. Jump into chapter 3 with us and enjoy a segment we like to call Code Word. I'm Kenny White, inviting you to grab some coffee, buckle up, and enjoy the ride on this week's episode of your Friendship Church Podcast. Hey, church fam, as we begin today's episode, I wanted to give you all a heads up that we'll have a go at a new segment called Code Word. We've given Pastor Matt a word that he has to use during today's episode. If you think you know the word, email your guest to podcast at friendshipmn.org. If you're the first to submit and have it right, you'll win. Now let's give Matt a moment to put on his secret agent suit. Welcome, Friendship Fam. Thanks for joining in. I'm with Pastor Matt and Pastor Joel, and we're in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 is where we're going to pick up. And just as we get ready to go into this, we're, we're going to be talking about um, this, this crazy juxtaposition of loving your brother versus murdering your brother. And it's like, I, I don't know. When I think of this, the like that type of juxtaposition, murder isn't something that I really hold on. Like I've never murdered anybody. Was that mm-hmm. a common thing in the first century? Murdering your brother—that seems—that seems really, really crazy. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's more to it than that. But uh, just as we're introducing this this section, what are some of your initial thoughts when we? When we're talking about this issue of murder, oh, well, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't care for it. <laughs> Not a big fan. I don't care for I it. I hate to be murdered. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a a terrible quote from I think a, a TV show. I forgot the name of. That was not mine. That was insightful. <laughs> I, 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 very good. Oh my! Good. Uh, my first thought is there's. Probably stuff I shouldn't say during this topic. <laughs> I need to plead the fifth. Oh, oh, oh! Interesting. Man, did we do a background check on him? Mm. We need to talk to Tom DePet, who Ooh. is in life. Florida. was tough growing up in St. Cloud. <laughs> it was kill or be killed. You could walk by yourself to watch a WWF tournament. Oh I think you were safe. Are we back here again? I love the Are we back here again? Out. Did you get DQ on your wow. way? Uh, Hope he was wearing neutral gang collars when he did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Not as a little, mm. uh, what's that? What are those leotards that... <laughs> I always no. felt safe because I was fast, you guys. I could outrun oh. them. Oh. I was a running man. No uh, one was going to catch oh, me yeah. anywhere. I'll bet that's true. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's pretend that was true. <laughs> I'll bet that's true. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hmm. So as uh, as we look at this concept, obviously, the type of murder we generally think of is bigger than that. And we're going to see this in in context. It's going to address the matter of actual murder but it's also going to uh, lead us into that spiritual or character assassination. And so be thinking about that as we jump into this passage. We're starting in chapter 3, verse 11, 
And uh, Pastor Joel, if you don't mind reading that, let's let's go ahead and finish the chapter today, and and we'll just walk through it uh, after you're done reading. So, First John chapter three verses eleven through twenty four. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Amen. Thanks, Joel. Well, uh, again, there's there's just a lot in this passage that we could go down, but I I want to begin with that verse 11, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. Like, it's never changed. And again, that's important because there are heretics that are entering into the church and they're changing the message. Mm. They're, they're actually changing Jesus and who he is. That's the, the message that they're giving. And also the function of the believer, that it's it's more about knowledge and it's not necessarily about what you do but what you know. And so for for John to begin with this 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 has been the consistent message. We're not changing it. What what an inspiration for uh, those of us who get the honor, the privilege and the the I should say it, the weighty honor and privilege of stewarding the gospel from uh, the proclamation of the word. This is a big deal, but but nothing has changed. What are we going to preach? We're going to preach Christ. We're going to preach Christ crucified. We're going to we're going to preach our need for a savior. We're going to to preach the only one who can meet that need is is God in the flesh. The only way to salvation is through Christ. We're going we're going to preach the risen savior. We're going to preach our life in that risen savior. That's what that's what we're going to do. Anything else is less than what we have heard from the beginning. And he fleshes that out as he goes from this, that we should love one another. And that reminds me, uh, John 13, 34, uh, where Jesus talks about a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. It's the message. It's consistent. It's from the beginning. As we jump into this, what are your initial thoughts 
of verse 11, just before we jump in and, and start talking about the other aspect, the, the juxtaposition to love is murder. Before we talk about that, what are, what are your initial thoughts here? Well, I like how verse 11 connects with the verse 18, mm-hmm. his encouragement of us to not love in, in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And uh, verse 18 is, you know, follows verse 17, of course. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So, you know, it's all about taking care of uh, our Christian brothers around us, but, mm-hmm. you know, showing our love with our behavior or action, not just saying, I love you. Like, mm-hmm. like, Hey, like I, I have this big, terrible need, brother. Hey, I love you so much. Mm. But like, I can help you, but I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to help you, but I love you. That only goes so far. Right. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's a really good point. I think sometimes this isn't always true. So I'm on dangerous ground by even bringing this up, but I will anyways, because I, I do know that there are times when when we say things like, oh, I'll pray for you. And that's, that's kind of a way out. Right. Uh, you know, when, when there actually are some tangible things we know we can do. <laughs> now, there are other times where I'll pray for you is really, that's, that's the best thing we can do. We can also say, I'll pray for you and here's how I'll help. <laughs> like, that's also an option. Right. But anyways, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of on dangerous ground with that statement, but mm. I think it's worth stating. Yeah, I, I feel like your ground is maybe a little more solid in that J- James 2 says, what good is it if you encounter someone in need yeah. and you say, hey, go <laughs> keep right. warm and well-fed. Like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm praying for you. Good luck. Right. Like, I'm wishing you the best. Yeah. That James 2 seems to say, no, that's, that's not love. That's yeah. not a genuine response of faith mm-hmm. even. I, I love um, the old story about the pastor who got up in the pulpit and his church was fighting, backbiting, treating each other terribly. And he stood up to give his message. You guys have heard this before and, and said, beloved, love one another. And then he sat down. Mm-hmm. And then the next week he stood up and said, beloved, love one another and sat down. He did this three or four times before finally mm-hmm. the board came to him and said, uh, what are you doing? Can we move on? And his response was, well, I'll stop preaching this when we start doing it. You know? mm-hmm. Like, come on now. If we can't love one another, then what's the point of moving on to step B? There isn't like that. This is it, guys. <laughs> right. Like do the one sentence because yeah. this is what the Christian life is about. Yeah. yeah. Is that the church of Ikea? <laughs> <laughs> step A, beloved one, you know, love one another. Oh step B. <laughs> it makes me want to skedaddle right out of this room. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's funny. No, that's a that's a really uh, a really great reminder. Uh, you know, even even Jesus, no greater love has anyone than to lay down their life for their friend. The idea that uh, love is somehow divorced from action is doesn't ever seem to be consistent in scriptures. Like that that doesn't ever seem to be the message that is given. And so there's this command, and it is a command. It's an imperative, like. This is what we have to do if we're going to be believers. And there's a transformation that is occurring in my heart that is drawing me to that. That's, that's the idea from the last section and is also brought up towards the end of this section. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us, the end of verse 24. So there should be this transformation occurring. But in verse 12, we start to get some examples. 
and John's going to build a case. And he says, we should not be like Cain. And, you know, when when we read that, I think at least my response is, well, of course we're not going to be like Cain. I wouldn't be like Cain. Uh, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Uh, because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Like we're we're in this mm-hmm. together. We love one another. We care for one another. And I, I think there's this weird tension that I sense in churches in the West, uh, that I see especially in churches in the West. And that the tension seems to be like the the holy huddles of us four and no more. And, you know, like, oh, we, we, we're living this out, but it's just the four of us and we care for one another and we, you know, but nobody else is welcome into this. So there's that end of the spectrum. And then there's this other end of the spectrum of we got to be out in the world and we got to, and I don't have time to meet your need or, or connect with you because I'm too busy reaching the world. And, right. you know, and, and that's the other spectrum. And, and both of those seem to be, um, missing the point in this. I have a question. Yeah. Relating to verse 22 and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about sinning or not practicing sinning and you don't want to get into this realm of legalism, right? You, you do things because it pleases God, but there are things that we do that please God, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just curious to know what your thoughts are in that verse and how it might relate to what we're talking about. I want to be super sarcastic right now and and make a comment. And I, I thought, you know what? I need to tell everybody that I'm about to be super sarcastic when I make this <laughs> comment, uh, lest I be misunderstood. But yeah, clearly this is name it, claim it, right? I'm just kidding. This is, <laughs> this is not name it, claim it. Yes. Uh, there, there's, there's context around that. And I think that that's important for us to identify. Even going back up to verse 19, talking about we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. So one, our heart's right. We're about the truth. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So mm-hmm. it seems it seems to be that we're talking about someone who is is living in the moral will of God. So that that's one element of it, that this is someone who has maybe even done some reflection of, okay, is there is there anything that is condemning in my heart? Okay, what, what would that be? Okay, well, that's forgivable. And so there's this calibration that has occurred. And now you know, whatever we ask from him because we keep his commandments and do what his, what pleases him. And this is the commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandment abides in him. There seems to be this alignment with doing God's will and being a child of God and that in that realm of doing God's will and being a child of God, whatever we ask. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, Lord, I, I I want a million dollars to just show up in my right. bank account. Right. You know, that, that, that doesn't seem to be where uh, the message is going. 
Well, and there's this there's a sense of joy, right? And and knowing that when you are confident before the Lord, there's a sense of joy knowing that you are pleasing the Lord. Not that that is the focus. Like I need to do these things so that I please the Lord, but no, I'm following His will. Right. And I know it's pleasing the Lord, and so there's a sense of joy. Whereas the contrast is. I'm practicing sinning, I'm practicing lawlessness, and there's that sense of overwhelming shame. Mm, right. Right? Yeah. And like to, to fixate in the realm of like, I'm going to live in the moral will of God because he's commanded me to, but I know like the byproduct of it is that there's joy because I'm pleasing the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he is pleased. Like right. He's not just sitting in heaven on a throne watching the people who are practicing lawlessness or murdering. He's also up there like, wow, look at look at him go. Like, right. I'm so proud of him right. or whatever mm. yeah. God would say. No, that's a, that's a good word. What you thinking, Pastor Matt? Well, I think while, while we want to say, okay, this, this passage does not help us uh, promote name it, claim it, or some sort of teaching like that, we do also need to recognize that the scripture is consistent in its teaching that sin is the greatest barrier there is to answered prayer. Yeah. And that people who live in unrepentant sin, when there is sin in our lives, that that is a barrier to the blessings of God flowing in our life. If we're God's children, it does nothing to our rightful place in his family, or it does nothing to the declaration of righteousness mm-hmm. that has been made over us by the living God, but it does impact our intimacy with him, which then impacts the flow of blessing that God wants to give to his children. And so, does sin and righteousness impact our prayer life and God's response to it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think we want to affirm that as well as we look at this. Yeah. Well, one other thing that this passage, um, I think, kind of capitalizes on is the idea of hate, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That the, this passage is all about loving our brothers, but then it launches into the negative side of that and hate, and it uses Cain right. as an example. Uh, but once again, I think we see both active and passive hate represented here, that Cain is an example of active hate, that like the robbers along the road in the story of the Good Samaritan, he harms someone else intentionally, Mm -hmm. and that's active hate. But then in verses 16 through 18, we see that the person who is a child of God will not participate in passive hate either. And passive hate is seeing a need that needs to be met for a brother and not meeting it. And so within the Good Samaritan, you've got active hate from the robbers who beat him up, but you have passive hate from the priest and the Levite who pass by and do nothing mm-hmm. about what they see. And verses 16 through 18 seems to say there is this great threat of passive hate mm-hmm. that we will see those in need and turn a blind eye, see those who have a genuine need mm-hmm. where we have time, talent, or treasure that could benefit them and choose selfishness instead of love mm-hmm. and giving of ourselves in those situations. Mm. That's really good. I'm just kind of processing in real time the, uh, your comments, Matt, that there seems to be some things that keep us from engaging. You know, some sometimes I think it's the the overwhelming nature. I mean, if we, we could say that everyone is in need mm-hmm. and everyone has a need, and how do I help reach that? And then suddenly I'm looking at myself as a Messiah and not leaning into Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that that's a dangerous piece. But this passage does seem to indicate 
that the motivation here is love, not guilt or condemnation. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do I how do I love this person? There's uh, also that iceberg effect. Sometimes there's a hesitancy to help those in need because you see the tip of the iceberg and you assume that it's way bigger underneath and that if you get involved, mm. you are not able to continue to meet their needs. Yeah. You're afraid of what they that actually might ask of you or whatever. Right. The the mm. truth to the iceberg effect mm. is like if God's putting that in your heart, you mm. need to address it. Right. He'll that, see you through. I think this is something that isn't uh, always clearly taught in churches these days, but this passage is about your brothers, mm-hmm. uh, right? Your brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are a part of your Christian community. When you see them in need, you have an obligation to do something about that if you're able. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not about any person. The world is filled with needs and you couldn't possibly meet all of those needs. And it, you come across needs in person, but you're also bombarded through media of Right. Needs beyond measure that you can't do something about. And John is writing to a a cluster, a community of Christians saying, hey, if if you look across the aisle as you <laughs> right. guys are spending time together on a Wednesday night or yeah. a Friday night or a Sunday morning, and you see a brother who doesn't have food, doesn't have clothes, and you do, and you don't do something about it, then how is the love of Christ in you? He's not talking about, you mm-hmm. know— Billions of people here, or the person you drive by with a sign there. Right. This is very targeted and something that you can do something about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something you can do something about. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I appreciate that. I think that that helps us to open our eyes to who is around us. And also, I think mm-hmm. the challenge that I would say has been fresh in my heart is the challenge to make a point to consistently being community mm. and what that community looks like and the the joy of it the sacrificial nature of it the like all of those things and that, that's one of the things that I I have really appreciated about life groups here at friendship is the encouragement and the equipping and giving space and time for community it's not just on Sundays that this happens we're connecting through the week or every other week, and uh, and we're getting to know one another, and we're we're going deeper than observational from a parking lot or a pew perspective, if right. we could say it that way. And uh, that's that's big. If we even just started there, that would probably be a a great thing. Any other thoughts as we wrap up our time together? One other thought that I have is I don't know that you need to murder somebody to fall into the pattern of Cain. <laughs> You know, Cain killed his brother, yes. But at the root of that was that he saw his brother above him on the ladder of sacrifice, right? We talk all the time about there being ladders in life and mm. measuring ourselves against other people and who's ahead of us and who's behind us. And well, on the measurement of sacrifice, it was clear that Abel's sacrifice was affirmed and his wasn't. His brother was ahead of him. And so what did he do? He tore him down. Right. And okay, yes. He murdered him in that process. But overall, there's a sense in which I'm constantly tempted to tear other people down in order to affirm my own place higher on the ladder or to make sure that I'm over them on the ladder in some way. Mm -hmm. And so I can participate in that Cain-like tearing other people down on life's ladders. 
without actually having to murder someone. And that is hateful behavior because I'm thinking of myself and wanting to elevate myself. And I am not thinking of you and I am tearing you down in the process, whether Mm -hmm. that's with my words or my lack of action on your behalf Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, that that makes murder much more difficult. So in a court of law, there's a very strict definition of that. But in the word of God, it's a lot broader. Mm. And addressing that in our own hearts is big. And so that that would be my challenge for us as we as we go from this time together to really consider, is there murder in our heart? Have we been harboring that, tearing someone else down to look better or to justify our position? Is that happening? Mm-hmm. And if so, then the, the word that uh, I really like is repentance. And I think that's a great biblical word, that our minds are changed and directionally, uh, we change to walk in the way uh, of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, as we go from this place, don't forget to love, live, and serve like Jesus. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Our fellowship is so important with other believers, and being in community together on a regular basis is very important. As you're searching your heart, as Kenny just mentioned, take some time to also thank God for our church community. With that, thanks for joining in. We'll see you next time on your Friendship Church Podcast.